0: Yep, it's the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. Here we go. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. I'm Jeremy Webb. I'm joined once again here in the studio with my good friends, by my good friends, with with with, with and by, amongst, over, under, and above, with Joss McGinty and Ryan Hatch. Good Hi, evening. Ryan. Hey, Joss. Jer.
1: Jer. Star. John Boy. John Hi. Boy. <laughs>
0: Hi to you, too. Good night, John Boy.
1: Good night, little Tim.
0: Are we done? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this webisode was recorded Wednesday, September 23rd. Just flying through the year. Summer's damn near over.
2: Yeah. No, it's over. It's over. Fall started. Did we uh, had
0: like an equinox.
2: That's a gym, isn't it?
0: It is a gym. But it's also like a I lunar cannot, event. Because
2: I have not had an equinox.
0: There's been no gym anywhere near this bod. We've definitely turned the corner
2: towards, towards
0: autumn at this point. Fall.
2: Towards fall. Is tomato, tomato, and autumn, fall? kind of kind of the same fall
0: autumn i think certain people say fall certain people say autumn who i don't think
2: anyone under like 40 says autumn and i know girls named autumn and
0: i wouldn't want to name my daughter fall (laughs) i'm just saying that would be a weird name for a girl
3: you know any girls named root
0: who is that Master? wow (laughs) we have a guest (laughs) that was weird so that who are you sir good sir
3: oh i'm sean sean o'brien we
0: have a musical guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, joining us from Colorado. This is our this is kind of exciting for a for a medieval steam-driven computer. To be zoom zooming in a musical guest from Colorado at this point. I feel like we're really pushing the boundaries here.
3: No, you are, man. I mean, the whole thing about the trains last time and truck drivers and now you've got a guy from Durango who drives a truck. I mean, it's it's all coming together.
0: Like by way of
2: the internets? Oh, yeah. This is wild. So you're live? This isn't like a recording?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm live, man. Are you I'm a robot?
0: Live. I'm going to need <laughs> proof. You know, like every website you go to nowadays, prove you're not a robot. It's like, fuck you, man. Prove you <laughs> are. <laughs> you prove I'm not a robot. Maybe I am. I'm not sure. I'm having an existential moment right now. What if you could turn that around? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no.
1: You prove you you're prove not.
0: You're not. Yeah. You prove, what, prove you're not a robot. You kind of seem like a robot computer.
1: What I'm going to ask is what? I can't make a program figure out which one's a signal? Right. Because that's the one you get 70% of yeah. the time. Pick
0: the school, pick all the pictures that have a, a traffic signal or yeah. a
1: school bus in it. Yeah.
0: And it's like, I get it wrong half the oh, time. Maybe I am a robot. The time.
1: Yeah. There's a little smidgen of a pole in there. Is that, am I supposed to call that? You said stop light, not pole. Yeah. Okay, because exactly. pole's
0: different. There's yeah. no light in the picture. Anyway, <laughs> so we have a musical guest. We have Sean O'Brien. Uh, he is a California boy that has transplanted himself smack dab in the, well, I guess it's not really the middle of the state. Durango is like, what part of the state of Colorado is Durango?
3: It's the farthest you can get from being the middle. So it's nowhere near the middle. Yeah, it's the southwest corner.
0: How far from from like what's a city I know? Denver. Denver? What's how far are you from Denver?
3: It's like a 7-hour drive up oh. there. Oh. That's yeah, a, like I
0: didn't realize I didn't realize Colorado we're closer was that big. To,
3: yeah, we're closer to cities in Utah and and New Mexico than anywhere else in Colorado that you'd know.
0: Okay.
2: Wait a minute. There's a New Mexico? I'm a big <laughs> fan of the old one.
0: <laughs> So we have we have we have Sean O'Brien joining us. He he will be regaling us with his uh, his musical talents. But I thought it appropriate, because we were having a Colorado guest on the show, that sh- we, we, we should drink something from a Colorado distillery. And so mm-hmm. bros of mine, as what they get their it? as they yeah. get their glasses out, wow, that was very well <laughs> orchestrated. See now we're waiting Lisa, for this one, man. May I have some more? So it's got an interesting uh, tin lid, and I will tell you about that. Um, And then it does also have a cork. So let's do the pull. The tin lid is. I'm I'm getting the. the Oh, nice! Sean beat us to it. Now we should. We should mention
2: he. You are drinking the, literally the same bottle. Well, no. So what batch do you have, Sean? It's the same.
3: Yeah, this is a uh, batch 29.
0: Okay, I have a batch 31. And one of the things that Stranahans, and we'll get into that, one of the things that Stranahans prides themselves on is that no, in fact, it says it right here on the bottle, no two batches are the same. Um, and I'll tell you why that is here in a sec. But another cool thing about the bottle is right off the bat, what a great bottle, right, Sean? Yeah. I mean, this is, they spent some money on the glass. It's a beautiful I like uh, beautiful The
3: glass and the, the label is pretty badass.
0: It's a it's a custom bottle. It's got the the um, yeah raised lettering, raised lettering address of glass. the distillery. Yeah, on and the then, bottle. And
1: then all the other you know legal requirement stuff. Oh no, sorry, that was a different bottle I was looking at. Well, they do.
0: They have their DSP number on yeah. here. Um, they put some cool stuff on here. It's it's a really really nice bottle. This is a high end bottle. So in the world of liquor, you know, uh, as a as a small distillery, you can buy bulk
1: anything. B-
0: Glass yeah. you know yeah. that's just one off you know not one off glasses is, is both mass produced mass produced yeah. and it's cheap yeah to get a custom bottle like this this is there's a lot of money in just this bottle itself
3: um nice marketing
0: yeah this was how much did you spend on your bottle there in in Colorado
3: uh, I think it was 72 99 Ooh. Ooh. boom yeah
0: so it's it, even in Colorado even in your home state it's not a it's not a cheap bottle. And and no. I mean they spent money on the glass, so yeah. there's a lot of built-in cost right there.
2: Well, what's yours? I mean, in Orange County, if it costs seventy two ninety nine in Durango, I mean, isn't like gasoline there like a dollar eighteen a gallon? Right. No, this okay. was
0: around. This was <laughs> south of south of eighty. I didn't spend over eighty bucks on it. it have, I think it was right around eighty bucks. Okay. Um. This is the the Stranahan's Diamond Peak, which is a, a not their their just regular brand this is a specialty what they do with this is they take so in a in a distillery um after you've put everything in your your barrels it's again it's a it's a brown liquor it's another one that's aged in in uh white oak american charred barrels in your rick house which is the storage area where you where, where you age your your spirits there's little microclimates all over the Rick House. It's hot in this corner, it's cold in this corner. So that is
1: humid be someplace.
0: Humid. Right. Different drafts. So the spirits are gonna age in different parts of your warehouse or rickhouse just because of the small microclimates and the small differentiations in temperature and that stuff. Also, every barrel has its own character. So this barrel is made from this tree, which this tree has more notes of cinnamon. Whereas this tree, this barrel has more vanilla notes. So the barrels will have their own character as well. So that's where the art of blending comes in. If you wanna have a consistent product that tastes the same all the time, then your, your blender has the talent of taking these different notes and adding some cinnamon and adding vanilla from the different barrels to, having, to, to making your product consistently taste the same all the time. Which not a thing Stranahan's is doing, and they say it right on the bottle. None of our batches taste the same, because and they
3: try to go out of their way to make it different.
0: Exactly, right? they're ex- they're trying to accentuate the these different notes that they have from the microclimates in their rickhouse, and because of the different characters of, of their barrels. And then what they're doing is, they're picking very distinct flavors. Uh, f- uh, I think it says right here. I think they they use five.
1: The um, uh, I just a side note on the thing. I, think that's one of the parts I want to concentrate on. Uh, going forward is the uh, the barrel become our, our cooper. Yeah, I don't know that I'm gonna make them.
0: Um, so so, uh, getting back to the, to what Stranahan's does, particularly with this Diamond Peak, is they are finding, f- you know, five distinct batches. So when you hear something that's called single barrel a single-barrel whiskey that literally is coming out of one barrel. They're not doing any blending.
1: Tin. They're sorry, can we pour it? Yeah. And then talk
2: about it sure. while we're enjoying it? While we pour, can I do devil's advocate here for a minute? Yes. Jack Daniels tastes the same for a 100 years, right? There's not batches, there's not... Right. You know, can you make the case that some people might not like that every bottle's different. Well, absolutely. And that's why
0: the big brands, they want the consistency. They want you to know that every time you go and buy a bottle of that, it's going to taste exactly the same. And they're marketing to that. They want you to know that it's consistent. And every time you you know, when you take your first sip, it's going to take you to that same place.
1: When you have Jack Daniels in Shanghai, it's going to be the same Jack Daniels. As you have right, and
0: that's not that's a different market. That's Stranahan's is going is, is marketing to the opposite of that. They're saying, you know, our product has we we're constantly using. They use the same mash bill, so their recipe is the same. Um, the only differentiation is the areas of the Rickhouse that they're taking the barrels from and the barrels themselves, and so their thought is. You know you're you're gonna love our product because we have a great recipe, mm-hmm. and the slight differentiations aren't gonna be so. It's not it's not a, a huge wild swing, yeah. it's not a giant pendulum swing where you're gonna. It's it's so drastically different that you're not even gonna recognize it's the same thing because it's all the same recipe. The only difference is the barrel and the place in the in the warehouse that it's stored. So and this
3: one's aged
2: for four years, right?
0: Right, four years says it right on the bottle.
2: So yours is as well.
0: Yeah, they all are. They all are. Okay. All the Diamond yeah, the, the Peaks are each four years. The And then they take up, up to five different barrels, and they combine them in a large barrel. It's called a fooder. F-O-E-D-E-R. Oh. Fooder. And basically what a fooder is, is it's just a giant barrel. It's a, in fact, it's a little ambiguous when a barrel becomes a fooder, but generally it's at least four times the size of a regular barrel. And they have a, a tap on them. Fooders are used largely in the brewing industry. You see them a lot at, at, at small breweries and craft breweries. It's a place that people will finish loggers and do a lot of finishing in fooders to pull some of that wood into their beer. Well, Stranahan's uses it for blending purposes. So they'll take their five barrels and they'll put them all in the fooder to blend them in there, and then they'll bottle directly out of the tap right off the bottom of the fooder. But they won't finish that batch. They'll take down to, and they'll leave some, and then they start to process over again. So every batch has a little bit of the previous batch in it. So you've got those through notes going as well. So you're not having these huge pendulum swings of flavor and taste.
1: You're just, uh, it's It's the same. It's like creating a mole. It's the same uh, family. mother sauce. It's the same family. It's just that there's, you know, some years your ants are crazier and some years they're more mellow.
0: Right, right, right. Let's drink our family. So give me some uh, flavor notes. I, I, you, I feel there's a little cherry in there. Okay, so wait, I didn't make the point. This is a single malt. This is an American single malt. A little more about Stranahan. Stranahan's, like I mentioned, it's from Colorado. They were kind of one of the first craft distillers, um, and it, it, it's funny. The guy owned a brewery, and he had a, a fire in his barn, and the firemen showed up to put out the fire in his barn, and they start talking about whiskey and everything, and a partnership was born, and that's where Stranahan's comes from.
4: Wow.
0: a firemen came to, to put out Mr. Stranahan's barn fire, and the conversation they struck up developed into... a. Uh, is that concerning? Well,
1: I'm not. Do the police I'm come over and ask
2: them how they grow weed. <laughs> I'm not throwing this on any fire. Yeah. This so this will, is this a, will, uh, not. I'll uh, put it out.
0: What they call a straight whiskey, aged in charred new oak bur- barrels, just like bourbon, with a final whiskey blend of two, three, and five year old whiskies. It's distilled from 100 percent malt mm. barley base, with four barley's sourced from Colorado. And water sourced from the Eldorado Spring outside Boulder, so it's one hundred percent Colorado sourced, which is really cool. The water
4: yeah, they claim they plain. have they have
0: four they have four ingredients in Stranahan's. They have barley, they have mountain spring water, they have um, moose, what, moose, <laughs>
4: moose. No, no, no. We
0: what? Uh, malted barley, mountain spring water, yeast, and thyme. Mm. They're claiming time is the fourth ingredient, which yeah. it is, especially in a brown spirit, right?
3: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So anyway, good stuff. I'd never heard of it. Sean actually recommended, since we were doing a, a Colorado podcast, that we should do a Colorado booze. What's the proof? It is 94 proof. Ooh. Yeah, so it's a 94 proof <clears throat> single malt. So mm-hmm. a, it, you, it, it's the same recipe as a scotch. Well, it this tastes is like, of, I it, think it's considered the first American single malt. It tastes like scotch. Well, that's it's that's you know the that, that would be the recipe lacking the peatiness,
3: I would think, cuz they don't use any yeah, and peat. They're using virgin oak barrels which isn't what scotch always does, right?
0: Right, scotch uses used bourbon barrels. Yeah. Or sherry barrels. I mean, they don't only use bourbon barrels, but they yeah, they use used barrels. You're right, Sean. These are they do they're using um, just like bourbon wood, They're using brand new American barrels. Like you would make, it, that's that's a tradition in America. That's how you make American whiskey is you use brand new oak barrels and then you sell them off to the rest of the world to let them do whatever they yeah. want to do with them.
2: Cherry, yeah. orange, vanilla, a little uh, pine, some okay, kind
0: pine. of. pine. I like when you start to use words that aren't foodie words. Because those are apropos, so I think pine is a good one.
2: Apropos is a foodie word, is it? Apropos is it's very French, bougie, which is
0: which is po- you know. I have a phenomenal vocabulary. I don't know if you know that about me. <laughs> what do you yeah, guys definitely think?
3: Getting the vanilla and the pine.
0: Vanilla, yeah, is a is a, I'm getting one that I and I, I read it off the the description, and I'm wondering if I would be tasting it if I hadn't read it. Um, but now that I've read it, it's so distinct in my mouth, and I think once I tell you guys, you'll taste it too. But give me another word. Give me something that's something um, that's not a food word. Uh, that's uh, like more of a a, a smell, uh, more of a like a terroir. Leather. Yep. Yep. That's the one. did you read? Gonna, did you cheat? I was Sean? gonna say petroleum.
3: No, I did.
0: not <laughs> Did you cheat? <laughs> wow! Did it catch you?
3: It done did.
0: Wow, wow! <laughs>
2: you hear that? Into the outdoor. It yeah.
0: done It does. It definitely has a, a, a. It
2: it says on the thing tack room leather. Mm.
0: And it does. It's got a, a a very
2: leathery kind of finish. I mean, do, do you yeah. do you roll with that on the ad campaign? I don't know how many people want to drink leather. Oh no, for sure. It's
0: in, well, in it's so whiskey. It's going to get Tobacco. You'll hear. Yeah.
3: Cigar tasters use that word all the time. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. That's
0: when you hear around that. Here's the, here's the notes I got. It was, this, this isn't off the bottle. This is off the internet. Um, I think it was uh, – it's their website. Process and profile. No two batches of Diamond Peak are the same. Stranahan's Diamond Peak is aged in number three char, which is – they range from one to five, I believe. Char level. Um, in number 3 char new white american oak barrels, which is exactly what you would use for bourbon. Nose. Dried apricot, which you already said. Okay. You said no. apricot. Uh, tack-shed
3: leather. Black oh, licorice. Kind of
0: leather. I didn't I'm not getting too much anise.
2: Not a lot of anise.
3: You said anise again. <laughs>
2: Hint
0: of wet cedar. So there's your pine. Yeah. Okay. Palette, Turkish apricot, dark roast coffee, butterscotch oak, cayenne, and Mexican hot chocolate with the parting gift of a rolling creamy finish.
3: Oh my goodness!
0: I mean, that is that sounds that's almost that's graphic. Yeah, feel like I just I need to confess after
2: Uh, reading that. Fully clothed here. My, I'm My, Mildly too messy. Yeah. I, I'm about ready to derobe. I uh
1: I definitely get the coffee. Yeah. I'm getting I have
0: coffee. to tell you that I what, one of the things that I don't like about Scotch is the peatiness or that smokiness. Right. And since this doesn't have it and it has the kind of like bourbony uh oakiness, I'm 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 drinking it more like a, a rye. It's coming off kind of like a, a spicy bourbon more than a scotch to me. And I'm I'm enjoying it. I guess is my point. I'm enjoying I, it more than
3: I would like a yeah, Lafreid, especially yeah. after a couple sips. Are you a
0: Scotch guy,
3: Sean? Not really. I'm more of a bourbon guy. I drink Scotch when I have to, you know.
2: When you have to, like <laughs> I, like that's an interesting one. Like when I when I have to drink Scotch is what after your wife yells at you after. You mean like it there's hits? nothing left in the
3: cupboard? If there's a bottle in front of me, I have I will to. drink it.
0: <laughs> so the last little thing about the, the bottle and, and everything, which is cool, is um, over the cork, they have this little tin cup. It's a two-ounce jigger. And the reason they do that is that it's an homage back to the old barman days. When the cork on your bottle would dry out, they would put the jigger over the bottle – as the new lid.
1: To not lose the alcohol. To
0: not lose the alcohol, So, because alcohol wants to va- vaporize at room temperature.
2: Funny, when alcohol's around you, it seems to always vaporize. It does, it's weird. It just leaves. It's the angel's share. <laughs> the I'm a little cherub. cherub.
3: And Jared, Jared is that? the angel's share. <laughs> What's the devil's cut and the angel's share and all that stuff? Okay. The angel's share is the percentage
0: of evaporation that happens over the course of a year, so when you're aging alcohol in a barrel, it's porous, and there is a certain percentage of alcohol that you know, because alcohol wants again to vaporize at room temperature. Um, so it's evaporating, and the water's evaporating, uh, and it's and it's coming out through the little cracks and the pores and the and the little micro fissures in the in the barrel, and that percentage of alcohol that evaporates over the course of a year, that is the angel share, okay? And so when you have a barrel, you fill the barrel all the way to the top, and you put it in your rickhouse, every single year there is a percentage of that that is evaporating. And depending on where you are, it's, that, that percentage changes. Um, in Kentucky, it's, it's around 4% but it can be as high as 11% of evaporation from your barrel every single year. So when you start talking about like a Pappy Van Winkle or some of these things that have been in the barrel for 20 years, yeah. there's not a whole lot of alcohol or anything left in the barrel. It's sloshing around in there because a vast majority of it has, has evaporated. evaporated. And all that evaporation that takes place, that's the angel share because it's wow. evaporating and going up into the sky, okay? The devil's cool. cut is the amount that is absorbed into the wood.
1: The stuff that wants to stick around, yeah. The for stuff a while. that
0: sticks around, but you can't get at it. It's yeah. still there, but you can't get at can it.
3: Can you lick the so wood? So why is one of the whiskeys labeled the devil's? Because cut? they
0: claim that they're squeezing it back out of the wood.
3: No, just yes. possible. Yeah, you can put that under
1: pressure and right, get that right. out.
0: That's that's what they're claiming they're doing. That they're taking their barrels and they're they're
1: juicing them. Yeah wow yeah sounds great why wouldn't right, you right if right. you're not going to sell them juice them
0: right and if nothing else is <laughs> we know it's all marketing yeah um it's a great marketing yeah right and it's a great great design and you get to put the devil on your bottle
2: it's loss prevention oh, yeah um, juicing barrels now that's a new one right i can that visual is very weird I picture like one of those old school uh, dryers,
1: two, two rollers, yeah, two
2: roll like roller like dryer,
1: squeezing on the side of your yeah, tin tub, exactly. Hand crank, exactly. <laughs> you, you can't you can't ring out. Yes, you can. Well, in uh,
0: fact, the marketing for the Devil's Cut showed that exact thing. So, the yeah. barrel being twisted and ju- yeah. and juiced, like you know, yeah, was you a, obviously it was take it was an apart. animation. Obviously. Yeah, it you obviously take really it doing. apart. It was an animation. Yeah, I mean they no. were really what? doing <laughs>
2: I but, picture, like, taking, like, a plunger, sticking it in, popping yeah. it out. Maybe get a little juice come out <laughs> like that. No. S- sort of like getting, uh, what's that out of a tree? Honey? Sap. Sap? Yeah. For honey. syrup? Or syrup? Now, are you, yeah. Syrup.
0: I say syrup. It's a si- it's syrup. Okay, well, I'm not exactly sure what it is. But I do think that this is probably a good time for, uh, for Sean to do his first song. What, what do you got for us?
3: Yeah, this song is called Helpless by Crosby Stills, Nash, and Young. Great. uh, Let me get that read. And it goes a
0: little something like this.
3: And it goes a little something. Yeah, it's kind of my own take on it, just like I do most stuff. Um, I just love this song because that melody. I'm I'm really drawn to slow, slow, beautiful melodies. um, And I can't get enough of that. Anyway, Helpless.
5: Yellow moon on the rise, big birds flying across the sky, throwing shadows on our eyes. Helpless, helpless, helpless
0: i really enjoyed that one now you're kind of a here's here's a good way to transition into into the old sean story as we touched on before you're you're a you're a california boy right born in ojai Mm -hmm. but you've taken no actually I'm, i'm i don't know that for sure were you born in ojai no. Where were you born? <laughs> no, because no. he has a very interesting story. I mean, he spent a, a large portion of his teenage years in the Middle East, right? Sean, kind of tell us your story. You're, where were you born? Yeah, I,
3: I say I'm from from Ohio. Whenever anyone asks me where I'm from, uh, that kind of feels like the most like home at this point. But um, I was born down in uh, uh, Glendale, Burbank area. Okay. You're an LA guy. And then, when I was four, we moved overseas to Oman, which is right on the Arabian Peninsula, yeah. next to Saudi Arabia and Yemen. For um, what reason? Indian Ocean. It's beautiful, beautiful country. Um, so I was there for eight years. I mean, for your
0: was, c- your dad's work, or why did you guys go over there?
3: Yeah, my my dad, he's a water resource engineer, and um, before my parents were married, my mom also lived out in Egypt and Japan and they, and my dad went to college in Beirut at AUB. Um, so by the time they met, they were both really into missionary work too. So they, they just couldn't hang out in the United States. Neither of them, they just wanted to travel. So um, they got married and had a couple kids, me and Dan. And by the time he was two, we left. And, and our, the third one, Joe was born out there in Oman in Muscat, Oman.
0: And how long were you in Oman?
3: Eight years. And if, from what age to what age? Four to 12, like 12 and a half, something like that.
0: And you, you're going to, I'm sorry. You, no, no, keep going. You, you, you're you going to like an American school?
3: Yeah, it was an international school. It was called the American British Academy, set up by some Americans and some Brits.
2: Well, um, how'd the British get the title? <laughs> set up by British was, and American, it's the, it's the International British Academy? Yeah, it's not no, fair. They, it's did the they American win that British on a hand academy, but the American
0: um, British Academy, American British? If we got first billing,
2: School. Jobs. It's like if you
3: were a foreigner there, you could either go to one of those type of schools or you could go to like the village Islamic school.
0: How many of the how many Westerners made that choice?
3: I don't know. I didn't go there, so I didn't get to look
2: at the makeup of the class. Exactly. I can I can tell you probably not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> how was the high school football team? Oh man, we didn't. Oh, oh. man! <laughs> oh man! Oh my! Oh man!
3: Good one. Um, yeah, it was. It was good. Uh, football was soccer over there. Yeah. So that was something I had to get used to when I moved back. What's the um, language there? And do you have dual citizenship? Can you like go back and? They're pretty strict about who gets to be a citizen, and like foreigners can't own no land there. So we were always renting. Um. Is Even it my Farsi? Was born there. What?
4: Is
0: it Farsi?
3: No, it's Arabic. Oh, it's Arabic. Farsi is Iran. Okay. Yeah. How is well, your I Arabic? Ran. I mean, are you fluent or semi-fluent? No, I'm not. You know, I just kind of learned enough to to play soccer with my neighborhood friends and um a problem with learning Arabic there was that everyone really wanted to learn English. <laughs> um and their parents all wanted them to learn english so we'd have people coming over just to hang out with us so that they could learn english and you know eventually go to school in america and it was a big part of their parents plan for their kids to learn english so they they would err on the side of speaking english more than speaking arabic with us but there are some villages where like they did not care about that they just spoke arabic you know
0: I know that that, like, it kind of had an influence. I mean, it had to, obviously, have had an influence on the person that you are today. But kind of what I'm getting at is that you you missed a huge chunk of, of getting, like, Western culture shoved down your throat during a very kind of malleable part of your young adult life.
3: Um, totally, yeah. 90s, so when the you, 90s were a blur to me.
0: Right. When you came back to the United States, were you— out of sorts in a way i mean did you have a hard time kind of catching back up to being a, uh you know just an average joe in in america um because i mean you spent so long overseas in in kind of a close-knit um expat community you yeah. kind of reacclimating to normal american society probably was i mean how old were you when you moved back would you say 13 i turned
3: 13 right after we moved back
0: I mean, so that's like, I mean, you're coming into puberty. It doesn't get any more awkward than 13. 99.
3: Yeah, it was pretty bad. And you'd been out of the country for, and in, in, in like,
0: yeah. far away. Not even, not like in London or like in Canada.
3: Yeah, you're not in Toronto.
0: Yeah, he was in Oman. <laughs> so, I mean, was Toronto? that tough? Was the transition coming back? How was that?
3: Yeah, I mean, what I was in over there, like, all my friends, I didn't have, like, two friends from the same country because of the way it was. You know, like, my best friends were from, one was from India, one was from Sri, Sri Lanka, one was from uh, England, one was from Samoa, um, and then one was from America. You know, it's like, it was growing up in that kind of environment, and then i moved moving to Ojai, um, where there's white kids and Mexican kids, and that is it. <laughs> like, that was weird.
5: I bet. So
2: no one from Oman... In, In Ohio. Oh, hi. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just so just but, I mean, my, plus you you come back and, and
0: people are like referencing music and referencing movies and all sorts of oh, stuff yeah. that you probably have like no old, idea.
3: Yeah, big old sponge. It was it was cool because music and culture are something that I've always been really drawn to, um, and so I was just like this wide eyed kid, you know, listening to. I don't know, Nirvana for the first time. You know, everyone's over it. They're like, "Okay, Sean, Nirvana, that's that's happened you know, 10 years ago, whatever." And I'm like, "Dude, it's so cool. It's so cool." I mean, Metallica, you know, I listened to that for the first time when I was, you know, 13 or 14.
2: Did 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 the, the, the people at the school like was American music regarded as kind of like the best music or did did you listen to like music from all over the yeah, world?
3: Yeah, um yeah, it was. People were really into Western music. A lot of uh, Brit pop bands. I mean, in the '90s, Brit pop was huge. You know, Oasis Oasis. And Blur, and right, all those kind of bands. Um, so that we had a lot more British influence over there. So it was kind of mixed, but definitely Western music was the place to to be when you're listening to it. Um,
0: so were you? When did you? I mean, obviously, that's what I'm getting at. Is were you, When did no you start Spotify playing or music?
3: Yeah, no Spotify. So like, I have heard of Metallica. Like, like some kid would come back from America, from vacation with a Metallica shirt, but there wasn't a music store where I could go buy it. You know. And so it yeah. was a lot more limited. <laughs> in, yeah, in I way.
2: can't imagine there being like a Tower Records. No, Tower Records, Oman.
3: Yeah,
0: and it's before Amazon. It's not like you can. It's really easy to order stuff online. It's like things are not accessible. He was cut yeah, off, it was, and that's it was why. Nineties. I'm, I'm interested, you know, were you playing music? When did you start playing music and getting into actually playing music and not just listening?
3: Well, I was big into the band. I played clarinet all throughout school up until I moved to America. Um, and I did that for like a year or two over in Ojai, California. And I started listening to, you know, rock music and heavy metal and and different things and i realized i just had to play the guitar it was just so much better you know the clarinet for a lot of reasons
2: yeah i was gonna ask you know how did it how was that transition from playing the clarinet in in oman where it was cool to being like the biggest nerd in the school playing clarinet yeah (laughs) like i'm just kidding was like were you in the high school i was cooler there playing the clarinet like i was
3: the first chair i was in third grade it was you know like everybody's like oh you're this young kid who's so good and there's, you know, 500 people in the school, and it's not, like, everyone's from a different country, so there isn't all this, you know, you've got to wear the certain kind of clothes stuff going on. Um, and I felt a lot cooler. And then, yeah, coming here, it's just, I just lost all that. I was just walking around, wandering around by myself in junior high, you know, right, eating yeah, tater Tots for the like first time.
0: Sense of style. Everyone's wearing Stussy or whatever. You know, you got to wear this. And that exactly. Yeah. And you had Stussy. no idea.
3: No, I was wearing all this weird stuff,
2: man. And <laughs> <Get, laughs> I was get, like, "Whoa, tater tots are so cool." Yeah, exactly. they're not a big tater tot community, I don't think. Out yeah, there.
0: I mean, don't get me wrong, nope. I like some shawarma, but <laughs>
2: yeah, had a lot of that.
0: What is food in Oman?
3: Um, yeah, shawarma's were a big thing. Um, the you got it, man. See? Um, Indian food was real big actually oh, I because love Indian food. a lot of the kind of lower wage labor, construction worker and stuff was uh Indian workers who'd come across the Indian Ocean to get jobs in Oman and right. send money back home. A lot
0: of migrant Indian workers throughout the whole world, right? You see them all throughout Asia, yeah,
3: yeah. Um, and so there's lot, there's lots of Indian food there. Um, my favorite piece of Omani food is the um, they called it shua. It's where they just bury a goat in the ground for several days and um, on oh, that sounds day dig it up. And I think we've talked about that before.
0: That sounds fantastic. So oh, yeah. that are you still in touch with any of your friends from Oman?
3: Yeah, I get on Facebook every now and then. That's um, cool. But. The thing about that place is you, you come in there and then you leave, you know? Like right. all the people I grew up with are all back in the country that their parents came from. and Right. Um, it, no, Like nobody's still there.
0: Nobody put down roots.
3: No. Yeah, everyone there is like, you know, working in oil or they're with the military or, you know, they're working with something. It's this temporary project and then they get shipped back. Um, that's what happened with my dad too.
2: How old were you when you were like... You know, were you listening to Nirvana and said, you know, I'm playing the clarinet for now, but I'm ready to I'm ready to do like a three minute solo like in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> yeah. What was I mean, it, like, was
0: it at 13 when you were right when you got back that you decided to make the transition from clarinet to guitar? Or when did you finally pick up the guitar?
3: Well, I, th- I thought I had to start playing the guitar once I got into uh, Master of Puppets, got into that album. Nice. That thing just blew my mind wide open so your big
0: inspiration to pick up the guitar was metallica
3: yeah kirk Hammond. i I wanted to play play like like kirk Hammond. yeah that's very respectable that's
0: awesome very cool i was a huge metallica fan i mean still am loudest concert i've ever been to my ears are still ringing
3: (laughs) yeah they were pretty loud
0: metallica at the uh, at the forum in la Wildly loud. I mean, I've been. That's you know, not the only. I've seen Metallica awesome. a couple times, but that particular one at the Forum was the loudest thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. I don't know what they were doing. I think someone messed up. <laughs> I mean, I'm permanently damaged. <laughs> it was too loud. It was too loud. So, oh, okay, so, no, did that. I'm sorry.
2: No, no. I just want to hear the progression. Yeah,
3: I want to
0: know when. So when you picked up the guitar, it was Master. You listen to Master Puppets. What, what age is this?
3: Um, that was that was probably just over thirteen. Then. Okay,
0: so you get back to the states, you're feeling like okay, the clarinet's probably not the cool move. I'm not gonna get a lot of
3: girls with the yeah,
0: clarinet. Maybe I start yeah. learning how to play play the guitar. So how did that transition work? You're like, okay, no more clarinet. Gonna pick up the guitar. Was it an easy transition, or how hard was it
3: for you to? Yeah, to- my dad had this old guitar that he played. He played a, like three chord songs all the time. So, and, not that we've had a ton of musical guests, but I'm I'm noticing
0: a through line in that people that go on to to continue to play music is generally they played an instrument as a child. They generally have at least one parent that played an instrument and passed it on to them. Yeah. Um. So, your did your dad kind of teach you how to play the guitar? I mean, that's huge.
3: He, uh, here's the here's the guitar lesson. I pick up the guitar and he. He's like, yeah, you want to learn how to play that? And I go, yeah, I do, Dad. And um, so he shows me how to do a C chord. And with my little hands at the time, this was, I don't know, its probably like 12. Okay. My hands weren't as big as his. By the way, ladies and, I, and
0: gentlemen, Sean O'Brien is like seven feet tall. And at no point in his life, especially by the time was he
2: 12, that he had little hands. <laughs> <laughs> how tall are you?
3: Whatever Jeremy said sounds you know anyway he's trying to teach me and he, he shows me how to do the C chord fingering and um I'm like man this is hard and and he goes well I guess some people just aren't meant to play guitar <laughs> oh thanks
0: dad <laughs> so I believe got, in
3: know, parental mom, you know having your back and she fixed that situation and got me a, a guitar lesson with a with a pro um, Okay, so you took some lessons. Took lessons for about a year. The guy named Tim France. um, That was really cool getting started that way. Um, And then I just started taught myself after
2: that. So a lot of self-teaching. So what you what kind of music did you like learn on? Like heavy metal, like other stuff like Slayer and Megadeth and stuff like that, or Um, like Lisa Loeb. Like which angle did you take? Yeah, I started
3: point. out with stuff like Simon and Garfunkel. I mean, Simon and Garfunkel, Stairway to Heaven, uh, Iron Man, you know, those kind of basically everything that's on that. What's that game, that rock band game where you can play the songs? Rock band.
2: Isn't it?
3: Isn't <laughs> yeah, it I think it is called Rock, rock band. band. What is
0: that rock band
4: game yeah. <laughs> called? What is that Legend of Zelda <laughs> game called again? Yeah, exactly, yeah.
3: It's a band rock rock band game. All those songs, like classic guitar songs, that's what turned me on. You know, Dust in the Wind, stuff like that. That's what I kind of
2: cut my chops on, or whatever you say. So, what's the music scene like in in uh, Durango? Is um, is it, is it uh, you know? Are you playing coffee houses? Are you doing you know? Well, that's bars? a good
0: point because we were talking about that earlier. Actually. What's the population
3: of Durango? Yeah, with the college, I think it's around twenty thousand. College is like four thousand. Um, so when all the students are here, it's it's about as big as it gets.
0: And what college is that in Durango? Fort Lewis. Fort Lewis. So it's it's one of those towns that you know when college is in session, there's. Several thousand more people in town, and it's enough of a small town to where you can tell.
4: Oh, yeah. You yeah. know?
0: But it's also a tourist town. A lot of people roll through Durango in the summer for whitewater rafting and.
3: The train. The train? Yeah, they've got people. Like what? The only steam locomotive still running in America? Well, that
0: just can't be the case. There's got a steam locomotive at fucking Disneyland. I'm not sure that's real. <laughs> I don't know if that's counted as an actual
2: steam locomotive.
0: They got a steam locomotive at Knott's Berry Farm.
3: That thing's real. Well, they did yeah. have one, and I
2: think they got rid of it, so now we're the only one. That's what I heard.
0: It got COVID.
2: So it's it, so it's 1894 in Durango, Colorado. Are you people, churning butter there? I people mean, is come there...
0: through for the train. No, it's definitely a tourist thing in Durango. Yeah, the train people come through to ride the train. It, it's an old silver train, I believe.
3: yeah. It's the same train. It's the same tracks. It started, like the town was started, you know, with a train station to bring food and supplies up to Silverton and then silver back to Durango for shipping out to the rest of the country. Um, so it's this old mining train and it still runs the same route it, it always has. So it's pretty cool. There's a lot of cool
0: history in Durango. Um because it was on this there was some affluence there, these you know silver miners would come into town they had some money to spend. it was kind of one of those towns um there's a very famous fight. I think Jack Dempsey fought in Durango at some point. uh Sean, do you know anything about that? I don't know. he did because it, 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 it's on the cor- it's it's literally painted on the
3: outside of the hotel that you gig in. Oh, yeah, I've probably seen that. Just yeah. didn't ring any bells. Probably, I have to check it out now that you mentioned it. Check
0: it out. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure
3: Jack Dempsey fought in
0: Durango in the hotel that Sean gigs in. So to answer your question, what's the what's the scene like in Durango? It's a small town. It's a college town, and there's like five. There's like let's say there's. I mean, it's like there's a bar per person in that town. It's one of those towns. where There's this tiny little town, and every other building is a bar. Yeah, lots of bars. Right, so you would think the gig pot- potential would be good f- for Sean.
3: Yeah, it is. Yeah, a lot of small venues. Um, there's a lot of local musicians, but since it's a small place, there's not as much competition as there was as there is down in Orange County. Um, so it's easier to get a gig. If, like like when I started last year, that was I was surprised at how easy it was to start doing it with well, no experience I- at all. Um, Right.
2: I can imagine Durango being a little bit easier to get a gig. Oh yeah. Than Orange County. Yeah, plus all the people here
3: who you're playing for, a lot of them from out of town are just going they're so stoked to be here. They're just eyes wide open. It's so beautiful, the town's so cool. No, they're just really happy
2: folks, you know. What what kind of genre of music do you prefer to play now? Like when you do your gigs? Um And are you solo? Do you have a band?
3: I play by myself most of the time. Um, I've just started adding um, a fellow named Chad Stevens um, when I play at the Union Social House. There's a bigger stage there, and he plays lap steel guitar. So we get into blues and, um, and a lot of country and blues, country blues, blues country stuff, you know, lap steel kind of territory. Um, do
2: you do all covers, or are you writing your own shit?
3: Um, I write my own stuff. Mostly what I play is rock and pop. And country standards um, nice yeah I tried to play songs that people will know but in my own style um, so I, I make them a little bit different so that they'll recognize them but they just sound like something I would play um, mostly then I throw in my own jams in there that I just kind of make up on the spot
0: so you basically started playing about a year ago, right? Is when you kind of like rehatched your your professional career and started playing gigs again.
3: Yeah, back when and, things were a lot different than they are now.
0: Well, that's my point, is you start <laughs> right and you're getting some momentum and then COVID happens. And then that's gotta curtail some of your momentum. Um, and, and it's a question that I have to ask. I mean, how, how has it affected are, are you seeing a lot of bars closed? I mean, what's going on in Colorado right now? Are they are bars still closed? Are they opening them up? You, you, I've seen that you're gigging. Um, so what, what,
3: tell me about that. Yeah, we're still playing. I mean, we get um, just shorter. We have to close earlier. You know, the, all the restaurants and bars have to close earlier at 11 now. Um, so we don't play as, as long or we, we just start earlier. But your
0: your bars and restaurants are 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 open again and and seating inside.
3: Yeah, yeah, seating inside, half capacity. Um, a lot of them have bump outs into the street, or they, they'll mm-hmm. expand their capacity that way. Um, but it's it's definitely different. I mean, there are some big spots around town that have closed that had live music, like the Irish Embassy. That was a that was a huge loss. Um, That's a great name. It's a it was a great it was my favorite bar in Durango. It
0: closed.
3: Yeah. It it's pretty as, sad. As a, as I mean, because O'Brien, of COVID?
0: I mean they, they COVID shut them down what what happened? I love that place.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean Sean O'Brien likes the Irish embassy, you can imagine. So, <laughs> was, so what and what happened? It was um it's like COVID is like this weird thing. I mean it's just like the disease portion of COVID, um, the business shutdown, you know, government shutdown portion it's kind of the same. Like, you know, if you've got diabetes and you're older, you know, you're more at risk for closing down. Your body, whereas, like, if you're a restaurant that's real strong and healthy, you can make it through, which most of them did. But the rest, it kind of shows the weaker ones, you know, like. There was uh,
0: already some pre-existing conditions. uh, Irish Embassy
3: had diabetes and, you know, a cold. Okay. Well, there's some
2: pre-existing, like, bad uh, pastrami on rise. Well,
4: right. that, there's the or bad, there's,
0: there's also a- like the pre existing general manager was embezzling money out of yeah. the Right. <laughs> a little
4: bit of that
2: That stuff. There's so some pre
4: existing yeah. conditions. Yeah. Yeah. There was some yeah and it was more
3: like, um, yeah, they had uh, the owner was involved in a lawsuit and lost a bunch of money. And, um, you know, they're already struggling with paying rent. And that, that COVID just kind of, that was the death blow. I mean, we had right. a fundraiser for them to try to keep them open. I mean, because people really love that place. Um and we just couldn't raise enough money and they had to shut down.
0: There's shame. I mean, it's a story you're seeing time and time again. Yeah, COVID yeah. has shut a lot of places down. But that's a good point that I never heard anybody put it that way. That it, um, much like the human body, it's probably a good uh, indication that there were some pre-existing problems if, if it couldn't weather, weather yeah. the storm. Yeah. I they never really a, thought of it that way. Running that, a little too lean. Right.
2: The books were thin.
0: Right, someone was cooking the books (laughs) instead of cooking the pastrami like they should have been. Exactly. All right, well, we should probably hear some some of this music that you got. Will you pass the bottle over here, please, gents?
2: Give myself a little pour. Mm. Ooh, little pour? On this show, we're drinking everything neat. We're right. not putting a cube. In know it. Know We're you, not putting a cube in it. If anyone's noticed,
0: yeah, and I've been trying to do that on purpose. Eventually, at some point, but I just don't think it's that kind of exciting for us to be drinking a vodka tonic on right. the show. <laughs> right, so, rum and pineapple juice. Right. I- <laughs> Every single episode, we've been drinking neat. Yeah. No ice out of you know little glasses, and
1: um, this is this is drinking very nicely neat. Wait, wait. He gave me a plastic cup. <laughs> yeah, why does Ryan have a Dixie cup? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, are you ready for us there, Sean?
3: Yeah, I reckon.
0: Let's do this.
5: Bitterness was right on. her legs, painted like the drum scene It and good at saying goodbye. in' good it saying in
0: goodbye. I gotta uh, tell you, man. That's great. I, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. There's a certain, like, I don't know, this is kind of a weird word, and I've never used it as an adjective before, but there's kind of like a certain nocturnal quality to Sean's voice that kind of makes you feel like you should be just on a long desert highway driving, right? Are you guys picking up on that? <laughs> 100%.
1: I get Mountain Town. Like, this is what I want to listen
2: to when I'm in Durango. Yeah. You know? Fly in. I I will. T- uh, I agree with both of the statements. I I would love to see you play that live in a in a like a mountain town bar. You know, cabin
0: like a lodge. I mean, there's a certain. I guess what it is is there's a certain melancholy quality to his yeah, voice that kind that's of. That's my I, style. It's cool, man. I really dig it.
2: So so that 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 literally could be played on the Coffeehouse Channel on XM on uh, uh Sirius serious radio.
0: Yeah, it was great. That was really fantastic. Thank you very much, Sean, for it's sharing a great that. Great song. With us. The guy
3: knows how to write a good song. Yeah, no yeah. problems. Good to be with you guys.
0: That was very cool, too. I mean, I never heard of the artist before, so yeah. that's fun as well.
3: Give us that again. What was his name? Yeah, it's initials, J, the letter J S. So J S Ondara. O N D A R A. And while you're at it, you might as well give us all your info. How can the folks
0: find you out there, Sean?
3: Yeah, I'm on Instagram's at real Sean O'Brien. Facebook, Sean O'Brien. Put up all my show info up there. I put videos sometimes of my shows. Sean O'Brien, S-E-A-N-O-B-R-I-E-N.
2: That's right. By the way, another Irishman on this show. Right, it's it's good to have
0: uh, another... You know, I'm Scotch Irish.
2: O'Brien, McGinty, Webb. Webb's pretty Irish. It is. We're from uh, Kerry. Hatch is from uh New Mexico.
0: <laughs> they named a pepper after him over yes. there.
1: Actually my uh, grandfather was involved in that.
0: And the Hatch pepper?
1: Yeah, they split off from the Donner party to go south.
0: They preferred peppers over human flesh. Oh, man. Hatch, New (laughs) Mexico.
1: Hatch, New Mexico.
0: You know, it's an acquired taste. Acquired. uh...
1: Not as, (laughs) one's spicier than the other. Yeah, I'm not sure
2: which. It's uh, right down the line.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, you can always find us at websworldwide.com and let us know what you thought about the show. Let us know uh, if you've got a suggestion, musical guest, uh, somebody that you think that we need to talk to. We'd love to have them on the show. So suggestions. Um, and if you think that we absolutely just suck, email Joss.
2: So until no, we- and t- if there's any sucky emails, it all has to go to you. I mean, I'm not setting myself up for a You're sucky,, the manager. Email. You get sucky
0: email? I mean, what's the sucky email you've got? You know, I've never gotten a sucky email. So far, I and I, I got to be honest, I don't get a ton. Um, which is I blame you, ladies and gentlemen. You're you're out there, you you're not you're not participating. <laughs> well, you I'm gotta, not
1: hearing from you enough. You got to spin it this way. <clears throat> Just think the people who do contribute and 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 add something. Hey, I want to hear you guys talk about this. Or hey, have you tried this whiskey? Or well, think of how this much band. momentum they've you, added to the show. Well, and you've you have a high percentage that we're going to talk about it. Right. Like right. if you want, it's not like we have, we don't have four million requests every right. week. I'm not Joe Rogan, as yeah. much as
0: I'd like to be, I'm not. Um, and he could probably kick my ass. Uh, probably. You know. Um, but at foosball, I'm willing to go for it.
2: Can I give a couple uh, shout outs here? Yeah. To, to people who are back in on the podcast from the old school days. Yeah, yeah. That have reached out to me and said that they're listening again and, and liking it is Michelle Voss
4: mm-hmm.
2: and Amy King.
0: Welcome back, ladies. I saw I know those posts. I saw those
2: posts. That was uh,
0: good. Court Armor, Chase and Armor out there listening. And to our West Virginia listeners, we see you. Um, if you don't know, I graduated from, from from West Virginia University. I'm a proud Mountaineer. and um, So thanks for the listeners that we have in Charleston and in Morgantown and around Big Joe's. Uh, and if you see Big Joe, tell him to buy you a shot of grape vodka on Jim Marshall.
2: Okay? I'd like to give a shout-out to the— A the- shout-out? A, a shit out <laughs> Don't do that. I'd like to give a shout out to our listeners in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, East Rutherford, New Jersey, New York City it's it's fun to see people listening. well I can the analytics are,
0: are are coming in and I'm seeing the downloads I say that every week I'm seeing the downloads I'm seeing the downloads in West Virginia. I'm seeing the downloads in Pennsylvania. I'm seeing the New York downloads um, obviously I'm seeing the California downloads um we see you and we appreciate you being here ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us week after week thank you sean for being here tonight and being our musical guest
3: it's good to be with you guys
0: we we appreciate it and and thanks for turning me on to this
2: strain of hands i mean i think we all yeah i mean we clearly didn't hate it it's pretty much now it's 40% 40% left. you can look around the
0: office here and tell the bottles that we liked and the bottles that we kind of like <laughs> you know, yeah. Tolerated and this is gonna go down on the one that we there's only a couple sips left in this bottle <laughs> So thanks a lot for being here Sean. We appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your musical stylings
3: Great to be here man. Thanks for having me I feel
0: like we got kind of a cultural lesson that I wasn't expecting which was awesome
2: Sean, thank you so much for getting uh, the names of the artists out there. I mean, th- these people are writing great music, and we're happy to share it with our listeners, man. Yeah, I was, so I'm much.
0: always stoked to hear new music, right? New music that, yeah. that I enjoy. And live music. Yeah, I that love was, live music. And live Me music.
2: Too. I mean, it's so cool to listen to people that are willing to, like, bear their soul and play live music when they can F up, screw up, when they're trying to play – jams that they love
0: right and the listeners that are responding and are emailing are liking the musical guests so thanks for being here joss thanks for being here ryan thanks for being here ladies and gentlemen thank you for being here because after all you are truly the reason for the season i'm gonna let sean play us out with an original instrumental and we will look forward to seeing you right here next week on the jeremy webisodes podcast (music)